Thanks for listening to the podcast, especially through this uh, time where there's no hoops. Hopefully we get back at it soon. So in the meantime, I really appreciate your support. This is Game Notes Volume 3. If you noticed, I started uh, numbering them, excuse me, once we started making Game Notes a video series. So you can find the videos up on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram TV. There are long-form videos that feature all the plays that we're discussing here. So really appreciate you listening to the podcast, especially for the game notes. These are um, episodes you're going to want to check out with the video. So hopefully you do that. This is volume three. It features Marshall Peone from Centralia, Washington. Hope you enjoy and let me know what you think of the new format. Stay well. So this is Marshall Peone from Centralia, Washington. Thank you for watching Game Notes on the Crown Rec podcast and serve the game. So I like this no call here. Offense is a little out of control. It gets a little too deep. Defense is just backing up. Just one point I had was remember if we get beat in lead, which usually happens maybe once or twice a game, we can always pull up at that free throw line extended or anywhere you feel comfortable just to rep that play for a second or two. Yeah, and I noticed I have a hard time doing that. because Like I'm... maybe stop right there because you're not going to beat that play. You're not going to get a better angle like going to the end line there. It's just something to think about if you have that option right there to pause Mm-hmm. You know, even a step back or two. Block, almost like block extended. Yeah. Because that way I can see the rim from there as well. In case if there's a basket interference play after that or something of that nature as well. And you, you just stay planted there for like literally a second. And then once the ball's up in the air, that'll give you an opportunity to relocate. This is a good get here in transition. I know you had to come over from the opposite block. But mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious to you, and I like the way you just took a step down there. Um, it's always good to close down and, and get in between players after that, like, hard contact, especially when we have, like, a wall there. The wall make, creates it so the players are, are, are closer to one another, right? So you just might have to keep that in mind. It might, it might improve, increase the percentage of them getting in each other's face or whatever. But anyway, bottom line is good job stepping towards them. But we don't have to like run towards them unless they're mm-hmm. about to fight. That's the only time I think we should run into players is when they literally are about to square up or are in each other's face. But besides that, I don't I don't think we need to, to run down. So just keep that in mind. Is that the play, 1342? Yeah, let's look at this. Because this is a common play here. This is a common play where the offense is kind of, he's covering a lot of ground and he's fading away. And in order to get his shot off, he has to actually initiate that contact. So the defender stays legal here, maintains legal guarding position. This contact we see is just offensive initiated, trying to get to where he needs to get in order to get that shot off. But it could create, you know, um, the deception that it might be a foul. A lot of times we see whistles on these plays. It's because of the reaction of the offense. You know, he's up in the air as well. So any little bump is going to throw him off balance. Mm-hmm. So it looks worse than it is. Sure. And then when he goes to the ground, that also raises our antennas and raises our awareness and makes us think, should we have a whistle there? So mm-hmm. I just thought that was a good no call. Let's look at uh, fifteen twenty-eight. You had a good illegal screen from the C. A couple things I want to I wanna sharpen up here. 
All right, I got you. Why do you have that as an illegal screen? Uh, because he did not give the offender time and distance to stop and or change directions on that. And yeah, I agree. This is a time and distance play. You said it best. Uh, backside screen to where he doesn't see it and doesn't give him a step. But he's there, there. He moves over right yeah, there. And, and even though there's not much contact here because the defender doesn't really push through, which is, which is fine, but just that lateral movement. I mean, the screener is still moving, moves to the right, gets in the, in the path of the defender before the, mm -hmm. the defender has that time and distance to avoid it. Mm -hmm. So let's just shift over to see your presentation here. I like the stopping of the clock, but I just want I just want that turn of the hips to have a little bit more momentum, more more momentum and a little bit more fluidness to it. I think you could do that by maybe taking an extra step and incorporating that off arm. That off arm for you right now is just going out and then it's just mm -hmm. dropping to the shoulder. I think if it goes out a little bit and then you pull it back as your your right fist is going, I think that'll just be a little bit smoother for you. Yeah. It'll help it with my hips as well. But, yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and I like that better. I got to practice that more. Um, I practiced it the last few days, but definitely I need to adjust some of my – You also have the option there of, you know, stopping the clock and then taking an extra step. You can even turn your shoulders as long as you're staying connected to the play, and you can punch that way just so you're mm -hmm. not doing that sideways punch. I mean, that's fine. I'm just trying to give you a couple more options with it. And I just want you, I just want there to be a little bit more footwork there. Okay. Just looking a little bit more athletic, I think. And it's just with one or two steps, just an extra one or two steps, whether it's, whether it's going down or stepping away, just to kind of set up your feet are setting up your arms. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 16, 15, this is a, the correct way when we, when, when a partner asks us for help on an out of bounds. I thought you did it perfectly here. Still don't hear sound though. That's because I turned it down on my end. Because for you to hear it has to be almost all the way up. Which okay, no problem. Tough, right, so uh turn it up to these ones. Alright, so we got an out of bounds, lead doesn't see it, lead goes help, boom. I mean that's perfect. You have a whistle, you have a color, and you have a direction. Nothing more, nothing less. You'll hear, boop, boop, partner, it's off white. Mm -hmm. Instead of just, boop, boop, blue. Just that exchange, that handoff and responsibilities just looks, looks great. So that was a good job. 35-11, let's uh, scroll down to that. I had positioning impacts play calling. We talked about a couple plays before being able to stop and ref the play. That's what you did. Although you're a little wide here to do that. Um, I didn't necessarily think we need to do it for this play, 
but that's fine that you did. But one thing that we failed to do here was you never made it back to the end line for the inbounds. Mm -hmm. And that's when the play happened. See, we're a little bit out of position here. Now, did that affect your decision to have a whistle there? Yeah, I think so. It was not the best angle. And the camera being on the opposite side, I can clearly see that any contact there was was marginal. I called a push on this one, but he goes A to A when he jumps up, number zero. And it was just a bad call in general. I mean, I understand there was a little body before ball, but the end result of that play is just is just a good block. So I thought we could have left that one alone. But it's just it's just funny. And, and I see this on film of myself when I get calls wrong. You know, a lot of times it comes down to mechanics and positioning. Was I in the correct position to make that call? Did yeah. you consciously not not reposition adjust there? Did you, did you just feel like you'd be fine for that second there? Yeah, I think I did. Because so, when we come up, he comes up at the center of the court, and I'm a little... And I stay wide so I can open up my view and also have an idea of where these guys are at. Because I remember Ed always talks about, Ed Rush, stop in a position when you're in transition and you're behind so you can see the rim and if there's basket interference or goaltending. And so I do that there. Right? And then the play continues. And So then right now that's when you got to jump down to the yeah, end. Yeah. I think this is where I just got lazy and didn't jump down because I didn't expect anything to happen. Right. And I assumed it was going to be fine, and that's what I get for assuming. Yeah, and that's when, and that's when stuff does happen. Yeah. All right, let's look at your charge at 41.55. Now, I wrote, uh, it's a really good call here, but I see a much stronger punch at the table than I do at the spot. Like right there, pause it, perfect. That's a perfect punch. I want to see that at the spot during a live ball. So I think you need to take an, a good call. I think you need to take an extra step take an extra step, you know, towards the end line, towards the opposite end line, or to the sideline, just to get your feet right to that, where then you could strike with that punch. But again, I see that off arm kind of like restricting your movement. Plus, you, I think you signal punch a split second too soon. If you just take that extra step and then kind of lock in, turn those hips, and then extend. Yeah, and I, I'm in lead, and I have an offensive call that I get excited and get quick. And if I post, sometimes I don't for this call. It's always super fast. And I need You're saying to, when you do post, you usually yeah. I don't always post it. I got you. So that's I, I understand. So you're not fully there yet to where 100 percent of the time you're stopping the clock on block charge plays. Yeah, and okay. it's that's fine. Well, even if I have a block, I'll post it. It's only an offensive foul. And yeah, so I, I know that's natural for us to do that. It happens, yeah. you know, first first couple years, first three four years. You know, it took me three years to where. Whoop, and I was like, oh my God, that took three years to do. So like, this is not an easy thing. It takes muscle memory, it takes a while to influence it, you know? Yeah. But, um, so that, that's fine. So we're slowing you down, slowing you down. Just take an extra split second to slow down your processing, get your feet right, get your off arm right, and then pop it. You see the one at the table, it was perfect when you were slowed down. So try to find yeah. that same tempo. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I need to have something. And then let's watch your presentation here at the table. It's a little bit different. Good hands, good numbers. Boom. Just a little bit smoother. A little bit more finesse. I, I just never saw, you know, the kind of um, post play I had tonight. I learned a lot. And then it begins to sink in, you know, um, I'm going to get there. But, but so, you know, maybe my mentors are right. You know, I do need to just learn a little bit more. But it's hard. It's hard because they compare themselves to friends. They compare themselves, you know, too quickly to people that might be one or two or three years ahead of them. And they think, you know, I, I should be there, too. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's all just a journey, but the whole thing is just keeping them focused on control. What is in front of you control, what you can, because you just can't control everything. So just instead of pushing your arms outward a little bit more, keep it right here. Remember, it's just like you're hitting the the speed bag and boxing. I don't think I've ever done that. What'd you say? I don't think I've ever done that. Okay, but you've seen people train and hit the speed bag, right? There you go. Um, 49-13. This is a good call, A to B, I think. I agree with your decision on this play. Um, I think I commented on the the immediate signal on the spot. Now, why the need to show the block on the spot? No, I don't know. I don't know why I did that one there. Are you unsure about that call? No, I was sure. I, when I watched again a few days ago, I thought he asked me a question, but thinking about it, I don't. I just know that um, not this bench, but the other bench was quite vocal. And the other bench was vocal? Okay, so then yes, we're doing this to combat that activity from the bench probably, right? To kind of let them know, I got it, I got it, mm-hmm. you know? It's funny, you know, I think, I think we're more believable the less we do. If the less that we do is, is pr- always project, projecting strength and, and sharpness, I think less is more. A lot of times we think more, more is more. Mm-hmm. So less is more if it's done the right way. That's the unlock. All right, so I have a rebounding foul here. I have to stop in the clock, then point the direction. Your hesitation right there makes you seem a little bit unsure, and it makes like an obvious call a little bit less obvious. So as soon as you stop the clock on a rebounding foul, point the new direction. Because I know on this one, I had to replay it a couple times to see if zero initiated the contact first. Yeah. Uh, caused Red to get off balance and go backwards. And I just wasn't sure which happened first. So I went with the more obvious one. So you were still processing in your mind, kind of? Yeah. Understood. But don't blow the whistle unless you've processed. Okay. That means, that means you should be a, sec- a split second behind that whistle. Yeah. I mean, sometimes on a block charge play, we could stop it there, you know, and give yourself an extra second, you know, to process. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think if we hold the whistle an extra split second to when we're 100% sure what we have, then 
externally that's going to show more decisiveness. Just having more patient whistle so you can process the play better. Yeah, because that was a little bit tricky of a play. Looks like you got to the ball first. I mean, that's a tough one, but you're right there. So we just want to see a little bit more confidence and um, certainty. Again, showing too much at the spot. Block two, two shots. And I like the whistle there. 35 is going A to B. You want to show block there? That's fine. But I would recommend not really showing block on non-block charge plays. This is a non-block charge play. It's either a block or it's nothing. Okay. But to show the two shots, again, just take that to the table. People know it's two shots. You know how we're going to know it's not two shots? When you wave it off. Okay. 121, we have a body before ball, ball before body play. Have you heard of this concept before, the ball before body? Yes, I have. All right, bring that back to where when you blew the whistle. Let's take a look at your angle. Take a look at your positioning. You like that whistle on, on film? I don't love it. Bring it back. I'm okay with it. I don't love it. Um, I'm okay with it. We probably could have passed on it then. Bring it back one more time. Let's let's watch and see if number 11 even jumps off the floor. Yeah, full time. Yeah, it's a little jump. It just it just just shows a little lack of effort on him there. It just looks like 24 red just outplays him there. You know, a mm -hmm. little bit of bump, okay, but then what do we have? Then we have a block after. It Was that a cleanup call? Was that too much contact to ignore? ignore? That's why you had a whistle there? Yeah, I believe so. Fair enough. I trust your judgment. You were right there. Uh, 128.52. This is a good call on a shooting foul where um, – Defender doesn't let the offensive player land. Did you like this one? Yes, I did. I remember I really liked your position adjustment to get lower than the players here. So you're in a good position to make this call. Offense sells it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But listen, when players get fouled, then they go ahead and sell it on top of that. So we can't be worried about the sale after the foul. What we're worried about is the sale before the foul. Okay. That makes sense. I don't think I ever really noticed that until you mentioned it. I like I never that. mentioned it until now. <laughs> right, so here's the play. He clips him, right? Yeah, he does. Clips him a little bit with the hip. Offensive yeah. player falls down. Again, that, that's the sale. Mm -hmm. He goes down soft. Foul, but he did get clipped. Yeah. Run it back one more time. You know, and JD said protect shooters, right? Sure. I mean, there pretty much can be zero contact to a shooter. Mm -hmm. Let's see your presentation at the table. I like the close down there. Stay, stay there for a second. Again, you're letting everybody know it's three shots, but we like let the table know it's three shots and then come let your partners know it's three shots instead of 
spot three shots, table three shots, partners three shots. It's just a little much. See how we can eliminate that step? Mm -hmm. I understand you're trying to be thorough, trying to let everybody know, but I think everybody does know. And if they don't know, we'll tell them at the table. And if they don't know after that, we'll tell our partners at the spot again. Okay. Less is more. So that just the main main takeaway, a couple of these plays, just reduce in excess. I know you've heard me say it before, but just try to reduce the signals that we don't need. 154-56, you had a rebounding foul from trail. This play presented an open look for you as you call the foul on the strip of the arm, which causes the ball to go loose. However, if you wait an extra second, then you'll see his teammate catches it. Maybe we could have held the whistle. Was it Adding patience to patience. It's just something to think about here. Let's take a look. Yeah, like 154 what? Like, he got his arm stripped. There's no doubt no, about it. No, the time. Oh, my bad. Time is 154.56. 56, okay. Should be right. Good screen action there. Okay. You know, that's just the play. I think as you move up, you're just going to, you're going to no call. Because again, again, if, do we need to stop this play? Offensive player has it. He's fine. Red's moving. White's sprinting back. I just don't think we need to push the stop button here. Like you said, wait an extra beat, see who gets the ball. Because you're reacting to the contact. The contact was, I grab the rebound, takes, takes my arm down, ball spits loose. Foul. I want you to see rebound, hit, ball spits loose, hold. Teammate has the ball, they're going, play on. Okay. If there's no teammate there, that may ch change the entire dynamic of this play. We don't, we never know. If there's no players there, it's going to seem so much more obvious. Then you have a whistle on this type of contact. But in this case, based on the formation of the players, based on his teammate being right there, I think we could pass. Okay. No, I definitely agree with that. It, it makes more sense always hindsight 2020. Mm-hmm. But that's why this film work is great because you're going to have this play again when we return in your third game back in a pivotal moment of the game and you're going to no call and we're going to play on and everything will be the way it should be. Yeah, everything will be fine. All right, what do we have? Uh, 155-39. This is a potential team control foul here. Don't know if it was just incidental contact. Don't know if you guys saw it and no called it don't know if we missed the contact take me through it take me through this play uh so we had actually one like this beforehand same setup it was number 11 as well who's right here i was in center my partners trail he's not in the picture yet and lead we're all in the same position and he had the first one that happened minutes before this one And I saw the end of it right there, and my gut feeling told me it was the same type of play we had, but I didn't see the full play. I didn't see the start of it. I saw the develop and the finish. And so I almost blew and just left it alone. I like your, I like your processing a lot right there. I like your explanations a lot. A lot of times we react to seeing contact when it happens at the end of the movie. 
So in this case, you never saw the opening credits. You never saw the first 25 scenes of the movie. You only saw the ending scene when the players are basically on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's better more times than not to not just say, okay, I need a whistle because this looks bad. Yeah. You explained it perfectly. You know, this is the, the lead's going to have a primary whistle on here. It's a secondary defender in the paint. Um, you know, maybe train your eyes to kind of get to that player a little bit sooner if you can. But at the end of the day, we don't want to guess, so I'm glad you didn't guess on it. Now, that being said, do you think this is a team control foul? Bring that one back. Yeah, I do think it's a team control foul. 30. Yeah, I mean. And their defenders set up. Legal. Just, yeah. Illegal. Yeah, so I agree. And I trusted that my lead had to look at it and I just stayed away from it, even though it felt really uncomfortable. But I didn't want to guess, like I said. Well said. All right, we got a couple left here. You got time for a few more? Yeah. Great. Me too. Nothing's open, so I guess I'm home today. <laughs> um, all right, 156.50. We got a technical foul. I wrote in capitals, leave this alone. What did you think? Uh, to be honest, I got the high school rule and the college rules mixed up. And when I called this, I, it took me a minute to remember. And we talked about it afterwards, um, but I did not like it at all. Okay, there's a, so I played a little early. There's the rebound. We're going up. Got the foul, and then he took one, two, then dunked it, and then I so I actually sent this to my assigner, and got information back. He's like, "This is not the way the rules written for college." And said, "Leave it, leave it alone in high school too." Yeah. I mean, okay. What's what's the rule in high school? Once the ball becomes dead, you cannot dunk it. I don't know if that's, that's not word for word, but something similar to that. This is just that gray area where you let the player know, hey, play the whistle. Please don't dunk the ball after that. Mm-hmm. If it's egregious and it's like five seconds after and he comes up and tomahawks it, this is a different story. In this case, I mean, we're, this is literally a second after. He's making his move in the paint, right? And he, he's about to gather and go up. The lead waves it off. So then he takes one step and dunks it. Gentle little dunk. Did you think about possibly going delay a game there? Because you, you have that as an option before we go tech. No, I didn't think about going delay a game for that one. I don't think it's a, a delay a game either. But, I, I mean, I would have been happier on this play if you would have just did a delay a game. But I just think this is how we're going to – this is a play you just get yourself in trouble on. Mm-hmm. Just leave it alone. If you want to talk to the player, hey, play the whistle. I'll take the ball next time. Appreciate it. Thank you. But besides yeah. that, I mean, all right, so press play. Just look at your body language after that. You look a little hesitant. Like, mm, damn it. They didn't want to do this, but I had to. Mm-hmm. I think we got to use our voice a little bit here. When you see those players kind of pushing back and forth, mm-hmm. that's when you yell at them. Hands off. Hands off. Enough. Did you do any – did you use your voice there at all? 
No, I didn't. Because that center... Right here, like, boom. As soon as you see that first or second one, voice, spray it at him. Well, I didn't see this because I stepped up because the ball was coming up to get above this guy, and that's when that happens. And I see him go back, and I figured he took something to the face, but I wasn't sure if... I mean, that, that's your matchup, though, that you're reffing because there's nothing else. I mean, 23 is unguarded there. Mm-hmm. So those are your, those are your, that's your primary matchup. Let's, wa let's watch from the beginning. So a little push off there. Okay. And then he, then he raises his elbow there. Um, what do you, what do you have on film? At least an F1, possibly an F2. Possibly an F2. But definitely not a no call. No, definitely not a no call. So. I don't know. He he does know that he's there. I mean, because they're post up with each other right there. So for him to throw that first, his right arm's going first, then contact, then he comes up. Uh, yeah, F1 at least, possibly an F2. I, think. I mean, if listen, if we had a monitor here, we're going to replay that back a bunch of times and determine mm -hmm. if it's an F1 or an F2 based on what we see on film. I mean, we can't be as certain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely an F1 or an F2. Yeah. So that's so just I, a good that's a good step-up moment there. Stopping the clock. Boop! Taking a step towards the play. And then if, if, if we had a monitor, that would be one I'd go check out right away. I'd kill yeah. it right good and go check out the play. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so this one, do you remember this one? No, not off top. So this was a weird play because he's under the basket and he goes up to shoot it, but gets rejected by the bottom of the backboard and then comes back down with the ball. And so I, I recognize that I call it a double dribble, but I think it's more of a traveling violation than a dribbling violation. But it was just weird to me at that That's moment. A weird play. Did he ever let go of that ball? No, he does not. I mean, so I guess by rule, you're correct. I don't know if I would have had anything on it just because I might have just got confused by it and left it alone. Yeah. So no. he just basically jumps up and touches the ball with the backboard and comes back down with it with no shot attempt or release of the ball? Correct. The ball never left his hands. I saw this play similar this year where a player jumped up and it touched the rim with the ball and then came back down. Mm -hmm. They sent it out on ref quest, and it was a travel because he never released the ball. So – I imagine this is a similar play. I don't know if anybody else saw that play this year on Huddle or on RefQuest, excuse me. I like the detail of the notes and how many that there were. Um, you know, just the specific specification, the specificity of the notes allowed me to just go to where I needed to if I needed and review the play for down the road when mm -hmm. I come to this in a couple months or so. Gotcha. So, and then I like that it was emailed out, so it's easy to just go back right. and check it out. And I appreciate you allowing us to watch your, your plays and break them down because not only are me and you getting better by watching it, we're getting a lot of other people better. So just know that you're contributing to that. So I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I do appreciate this. You're doing a good thing here, and, and it's a lot of hard work. I get that. A lot of behind-the-scenes hard work. Mm -hmm. just, 
emails and the graphic design, which I know you've been into that quite a bit. But I'm looking at it, it's like, man, he's putting a lot of time into it. Yep. When you find something you love, it doesn't seem like a lot of work. That's very true. I've went all into this ref life, like pretty much a couple months into starting Crown Refs. I'm like, I think I'm like full-time referee. Like there's no more watching NBA games. I don't watch any other college games besides my own and the officials that I'm, you know, watching. So like, yeah, man, this is just what I do. This is a really fun to be able to be in a position to give back to so many people that enjoy the referee content. And we're just going to keep creating from here. Sky's the limit. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game.